listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the words of that song are awesome. Because we all go through the fire. And I don't know if you know this, but the fire has a purpose. The fire is meant to purify our hearts, purify our motives. And the fire is not a bad thing because it will consume the dross in our lives and it will purify us so that we, in our worship and our service to God, that we stand and we can do it from purity of heart. So thank God He is with us in the fire. He is with us through those difficult times. And if that's you going through the fire right now, and we all walk through the fire at various points in our life, then know this, that this is not a bad thing, but God is with you. He will strengthen you. He will keep you. He goes before you. He is your rear guard. And there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. And if you will let God guide you and lead you through this, then you will come out stronger. You will come out purer. You will come out better equipped to do what He's called you to do. Hallelujah. 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 one there's a prayer that Paul prays and uh, so I'm just really stirred to turn there this wasn't in my notes but it's the prayer that he prays at the last part of uh, the first chapter there and it's, there's a part in there that uh, really relates to this song, so I just want to read it, and I want to pray it over you. So it starts at verse 17. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, to know Him through your deepening intimacy with Him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that He finds in us, His holy ones. You know, God has a glorious inheritance in each and every one of us. And it's amazing to think that God who created us, God that created all that we can see, all that we don't see, that He's got a glorious inheritance that He's deposited within each one of us. And we are precious and we are valuable. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and it exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. 
And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in the church. God has put beneath everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. All authority has been given to Christ and he's our elder brother and he has passed it on to us. So nothing you face is too difficult, nothing is too great because the greater one lives within you and there is nothing that can withstand him and his power. So thank God for that. Thank God for that. Well, you can be seated if you're not already seated. As Sean said, the lights I can see about here. <laughs> and I see shadows out there. Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. Let's give them a good round of applause. It's always amazing to come into praise and worship. It just feels like it washes over your soul and just kind of is a cleansing balm to you know, get away the crust of the world and just get you back in to God's presence. So really appreciate the praise and worship team and all the effort that they put into doing what they do up here because they do it with excellence. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. And glad that you joined us here at Embassy Church. Um, I trust that your summer is going well. It's amazing that this is, uh, this is almost the end of July. <laughs> it's just crazy where the summer is going. But there's some weeks left, so praise God. Glad about that. Over the course of the summer, I, um, I've done a little bit of work on the house. So this is... Not a long story, but it's a little bit funny. We'll see if my jokes are as good as Sean's. But um, there's some guys in the church here and even some ladies I know that are fairly good at the DIY thing, the do-it-yourself. So Terry and I were talking the other day and uh, had a good laugh because I said, I am not a DIY guy. I can do some things, but I'm just not a good DIY. I said, I'm a really good FYI guy. For your information, I don't do this. <laughs> I wish I was better at the DIY, but the FYI will have to do for now. Um, some of you, maybe all of you are aware that um, back in April, April 20th, my mom went to be with the Lord. And so I made a quick trip down there and um, just was able to be there at the closure of you know when she passed from this life to the next and uh, to visit with my siblings and have a really good time of fellowship with them and this past week we went back to do the graveside service for her and the pastor said something that was really um, really provoked a lot of thought because you know in these times of COVID and the impact that it's had on our lives in various ways and forms. And in Manitoba, 
There's still a, a great element of being shut down and things like that. Uh, tried to go to a restaurant there and they wouldn't let us in um, because Terry and I were from out of province. So just a lot of things that are still being contended with. But, you know, part of the graveside um, was to kind of bring closure to the whole process of mom passing from this life to the next and, and just get on with things. And not really so much for me, but I think we as siblings. But this is what the pastor said, and I think it's really important because this, is, this should be our position as Christians. He said this, we have something so much greater than closure. We have hope. So we don't just need to put mom in the ground. Because you know what? She's not in the ground. Her ashes are in the ground. But she is rejoicing in heaven with her Lord and Savior. And so we have that great hope that even though she is gone, maybe if you've lost a loved one, um, they're gone. They've simply gone before us. And you know what? They're waiting up there for us. And someday we will be reunited. So the graveside was nice to be able to visit again with family, to just have some great fellowship with my brothers and my sister and their spouses and nieces and nephews. But you know what? When mom passed, really, at that point, the hope was already there. And so it wasn't so much about the closure as it was just about the ongoing hope that we live in and we live by that Jesus has given to all of us. And that trip down to Manitoba is kind of where this message stemmed from. We were uh, staying in Carlisle, Saskatchewan. We stayed at the Ramada in there. And uh, so I'm amazed at how God can speak to you sometimes because uh, he takes seemingly insignificant things and things that we don't maybe give a lot of thought to and he'll open our eyes up to a truth and uh, we'll see something that we've never seen before and if you traveled or you've been in a hotel motel whatever you know there's there's a big emphasis on you know looking after the planet so on our bed there was this little form that said save the planet and I looked at that and I thought, that really is the gospel of this world. Save the planet. Save the planet. But is it God's gospel? Is it God's way of looking at this planet? Does he just think, oh gosh people, can you just look after the planet I gave you? Now, he created us, but you know, it's not as much about the planet is it, as it is about you and me and people. And from God's perspective, it's not save the planet, it's save the people. It's save the people. But you know, if we don't pay attention sometimes, the world seeps in and we, we just we don't even really resist that thought process because we just think we see it so often we see it everywhere I don't know if you're aware of this but uh, Prince Philip 
Everybody know who Prince Philip is? You know, in many ways, the world views man as a problem on the earth. That there's too many of us. That we consume too much. That we take up too much space. We use too much oxygen. We give off too much carbon. We've got a carbon footprint. And man, what we hear so often is, is man is creating problems on this earth. And if we as Christians believe that, then I'll tell you right now, you've got a problem with your philosophy. Because man is not perfect, but what we're gonna do in this message is we're gonna look at how God views man. Because we need to see ourselves through God's eyes, not through the social media's eyes, not through the propaganda machine's eyes. We need to see ourselves through God's eyes. Because if we don't, we are in danger of minimizing who we are and what we're about. But God loves you. God dwells in you. God sent his son to die on a cross, to go through that pain and suffering, to rise again, to be seated at his right hand in the heavenly places so that we could be saved. But this is what Prince Philip said at one time. And this is a quote. Now, this was said in the previous century. So it was a while ago. But you can see even back then that this mindset was somewhat pervasive. In the event, so this is Prince Philip. In the event that I am re reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus to contribute something to solving overpopulation. think that's truth? Do you think if you heard him say that, man in his position, you think you'd embrace that and say, yeah, I am a problem or people are a problem. So which people are a problem then? Am I a problem on this earth? Or are you the problem on this earth? Not me, you. Romans 12, 1 to 3. We're going to read this from the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God. You know, everyone upon this earth does these things. Doesn't matter if they're a billionaire or if they're a poor person in a third world country. Everyone sleeps, everyone eats, Everyone goes to work in some way, some fashion, some manner. And everyone has a life or tries to have a life. Embracing, we're to take that ordinary everyday life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. 
you will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Do you think Prince Philip's statement was a statement of maturity? No, sure wasn't. It was the world's level of immaturity. I'm speaking to you out of a deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings everything good to us. Now this last statement is where we're going to focus and kind of do the rest of this message. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us. We can never understand ourselves by what we are and what we do for him. The only way we can understand ourselves is by what God is. So what is God? God is good. God is great. God is love. God is joy. God is peace. God is all those things and so much more. And what does he do for us? He redeems us. He saves us. He heals us. He delivers us from our enemies. He causes us to walk in peace. This is a way we understand ourselves, by understanding what God is and what he does for us. There are a lot of voices that clamor around us, and if we're not careful, we get caught up in everything. You know, there's the pressures of life, just of living. Our everyday life is full of things that we've got to deal with, responsibilities. Responsibilities to God, responsibilities to ourself, responsibilities to our spouse, to our families, to, to our church, to our friends, to our business, if we own a business, to our employer if we are employed, to the government to pay our taxes and do whatever responsibilities we have there. We are responsible to so many. And yet, the one that should occupy the highest place in our thinking, in our daily life, is God. Because if we've got Him at the top, everything else will be sorted through. And so with all these voices that are clamoring for our attention and trying to shape our beliefs as to what is important and what is not important, there's one voice that will speak truth. And that is God's voice. And he's given us his word. And so we should be spending time every day studying his word because his word will always bring us back to kind of ground zero where things really just get established and solidified in our lives. Because if we don't go back to the world, or excuse me, if we don't go back to the word, then we get caught up in all of these other things. And if life proves difficult, proves challenging, sometimes we can think that 
people are our problems. Our boss is our problem. Our spouse is our problem. Our children are giving us problems. But you know what? They are not. We cannot put that on others around us. We've got to understand how God looks at each and every one of us. So this save the planet, overpopulation, pro-choice, all of these things that are promoted, that are the gospel of this world, they should have no part, no hold in any of us. We should understand how God views these things. And so what I'm going to do is take you right back to the beginning. How does God see man? How does God see you? How did we come to be? Out of the billions and billions and billions of people that are alive on earth today, am I special? What makes me special? So, to understand, we need to look at what God's Word has to say. So I'm just going to give you a quick review about creation. So we're going to start with creation. Day one, in creation, Genesis 1, 3 to 5, God created day and night. On day two, He created the sky. He separated the sky and the waters. On day three, he separated the earth from the waters. So we have land and we have the water. Also on day three, vegetation. So the plants yielding seed and trees bearing fruit with seeds in them were created on the third day. On the fourth day, what happened on the fourth day? The sun and moon and galaxies. Everything was created on the fourth day. And it's interesting because um, out of the voice it says this about day four. It says, let the sun, moon, and stars be useful for signs or tokens of God's provident care and for marking seasons, days, and years. So when we look at things that God has created, like the sun, the moon, the stars, the heavenly bodies, we should be reminded of God. They were all intended to point us back to God. Day five, every living creature in the waters, winged creatures in the sky, they were created on day five. And on day six, living creatures of the earth, livestock, crawling things, wild animals, and everything. That was created on day six. What else was created on day six? The last sentence in verse 25 of the voice, it says, God saw his new creation, that it was bountiful and it was good. Then it says three words that are interesting, and God paused. So he stopped. Then verse 26 goes on to say this, so after he paused, then his next statement, the next thing that follows after his pausing was he said, now let us make, conceive a new creation. Humanity, made in our image, fashioned according to our likeness, and let us grant them authority over all the earth 
the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, the domesticated animals and the small creeping creatures on the earth. We were the last thing. Humanity was the last thing that God created. He paused, he thought, and then he communicated with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. And all three of them were in agreement that they were going to conceive a new creation. And who was that? That was humanity, that was us. So God did just that, verse 27. He created humanity in his image, created them male and female. Then God blessed them and gave them this directive. Be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth. Do you think man has done that? <laughs> That's God's mandate to man. So overpopulation, is it a thing in heaven? Does God look down and say, oh my gosh, you guys, you took me too literally. I didn't mean that many, come on. No, he said, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth. I make you trustees of my estate. So care for my creation and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that roams the earth. 29 and verse, verse 29 and verse 30 talks about God's provision to humanity, and it talks about God's provision to all living things. Which is interesting because verse 30 says, the provision for all living things in the water, in the sky, on the land was green plants. So those of us who like meat would have been really out of luck here because <laughs> green plants were the thing on the menu. However, God provided for his creation and there was no shortage. So do you think the world today surprises God? Do you think God looks at your carbon footprint and says, oh my gosh, what are you people thinking? No. We are his creation, and he created us on purpose, not by accident, and he created us with the purpose and the intent to be fruitful, to multiply, to populate the earth, and to be trustees or stewards of this earth. It happened just as God said at the end of verse 30. Verse 31, then God surveyed everything he had made savoring its beauty and appreciating its goodness. Everything, and everything was good. He was not dissatisfied with one thing. And this is a note that follows those views, <coughs> excuse me, verses. This is out of, the, uh, out of the voice. The crown of God's creation is a new creature, a creature that can sound the heartbeat of its creator. That creature made male and female reflects God's own relational richness. The human family is to join God in the ongoing work of creation. The earth below and the sky above with all of their inhabitants are too beautiful and too good to be left alone. They need 
the tender care and close attention that only God's favored creature, man and woman, can give. Are you significant to God? Is every person on this earth significant to God? If we look at each other through these eyes, the same way God looked at his creation, should we have ought against one another? Should we have issues with one another? Because if we see each other as God sees man and woman as he made us to be, then love for one another should be the thing that comes forth. So I was amazed when I read this because, I mean, you think man was the crown of God's creation. We are the crown of God's creation. We are not the problem here. God created us as the solution. Now I know sin came into the world and once sin is entered, then problems arose. But God's created a solution for that as well. And it's his son, Jesus Christ. And God's purpose through Jesus is to restore us to this place that he had in creation, the crown of his creation. And God looks at all of us like this, not just some of us, but all of us are the crown of his creation. And by the grace of God and the sacrifice made by his son, we have a way, we've been redeemed so that we can step into the fullness that God has called us to. Just gonna read a few verses here out of Psalms 139. Starting at verse one. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment or movement of my heart and my soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past, the mistakes that we've made. Your hand of love is upon my life. You impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? And then moving ahead to verse 13. You form my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in this secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me. 
from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd even seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on any shore or on every shore. When I wake in the morning, you are still with me. God's thoughts and plans for you are more than the grains of sand on every shore of every beach across this globe. And that's just you. What about the billions of other people? How does he do that? I don't know. But he does it for each of us. And whether you're saved or not, whether you know him or not, you are in God's heart because you are his creation. And he loves you and he wants to see you redeemed. Verse 14, it says this in the New American Standard, I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. You know, when we're standing at praise and worship and we're praising God, we're lifting our hands and we're thanking God, we're praising him for who he is. We can do that. Why? Because we are awesomely and we are wonderfully made, each and every one of us. You may not feel like it, you may not think you look like it, but God looks at your heart. And that is where this value is determined. So it doesn't matter who you are, what country you come from, who your parents were, what house you live in, what job you have, what your position is, what your salary is, those things mean nothing to God. It's who you are on the inside. That's what he knows. And as Psalms 139 there says, he's gone before us. He knows what he's planned for us and he will walk us through it if we will let him. All right. So never forget that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that you are not the problem asking for what is the world's solution. But rather you are the solution to the world's problems. So when we're redeemed, when we come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we actually become the solution. God loves us all with equal intensity but it's up to each and one of us individually to respond to that. So the intensity of his love for you is matched by his intensity of his love for me and every other person in this world. But it is up to each of us individually to respond to that intensity and to allow him access to our life in a greater, greater measure. Um, I'm going to skip over some things here, I think.
um, I want to say this is that a lot of times I know personally and I'll speak personally is that when I get frustrated when I get stressed with life with living the greatest temptation is to look and see that the problem is people around me that are either holding me back or um, in some way putting too much of a demand on me or or um, not understanding me or, or things like that and uh, if I do that if I allow that to get rooted in my heart then what I will do is I will close my heart off towards those people and instead of loving them like I'm commanded to do then I will begin to close my heart which means that that love will not be present and if I understand truly who God has made me to be, that I am the crown of his creation, that he loves me with an everlasting love, then the same love that he loves me with, then I need to have that love for others. And so one of the greatest lies that the devil perpetrates in our lives is that people are a problem. And if we allow people to become problems, the problems in our lives, then we're allowing the devil access. Because Jesus did not allow one person to frustrate him or upset him. You know, even those that crucified him, those that jeered him and called him names and spit on him and wanted to see him crucified, do you know, he loved them. And it says that when he was put up on the cross, he looked down on those people and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And you know, if somebody has hurt you or, you know, in some way offended you, then the best thing to do is take Jesus' position on that. And it's just, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. But if we hold on to that and say they did that on purpose, they are just, you know, doing that deliberately to provoke me, to disrespect me, then we're not walking this thing out the way God would have us. God has created us in his class. We're the only part of his creation that can respond to God in the way that we do. First John 4, verses 19 to 21, says this, Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God has first demonstrated to us. Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred towards another believer. This makes him a phony, because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? For he has given us this commandment, whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. And as the crown of his creation, we're not just called to go out and keep the water clean, keep the forest green and things like that. We are called to love one another. Because all of that other stuff 
You know, I love the environment. I love PA. I love the area that God has placed me and my family in. Uh, I think PA is an awesome city. I love the northern country. I love getting out and enjoying the wilderness. And, uh, you know, it's, it's special because you can enjoy God in a different way out there in nature. You've got the silence. You've got the solitude. You've got a different kind of a peace that comes when you're floating on the water or walking through the forest. But God did not call me to love the trees, at least not more than people. He did not call me to love the fish, and I love fish. <laughs> but he did not call me to love fish more than people. What he has called me to do is love people. And if I can't do that, then I cannot say I love God because people are at God's heart. And if we want to love God, we've got to love those that God has created. And we've got to look at people the way God looks at people, not as a problem, not as a time consumer, not as, you know, an emotional basket case or whatever. We need to look at people as God sees them. And when God paused, the next step was to say, let us make a new creature. Let us make man in our image formed in our likeness. And that is for each and every one of us. We are formed that way in the image and likeness of God. How does Satan attack you? He attacks your identity. You know, a lot of times we will spend too much time thinking about ourselves. And I didn't do this right, I didn't do that right, and I wish I would have done this different. You know what, when I walk away from here, when I walk out that door, when my message is done, I am going to say, I wish I would have said that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have done it differently. And I will have those thoughts. But you know, that's not who I am. Who I am is who God has made me to be. And we all have regrets in life. We will all have things that we will, if we could do it over again, we would love to do it over again. But that's part of living. And that's the beauty of accepting who we are because we do make mistakes. You know, sometimes the toughest person to forgive is yourself. Sometimes the toughest person to love is yourself. But if we're going to love others, then we've got to do something before that. And we've got to love ourselves. Mark 12, 30 and 31. These are the... Jesus was asked by the religious crowd. So they had accused Jesus of breaking all these laws and commandments and everything. And so then Jesus responded to the question of this one religious leader as to what was the greatest commandment. And this was Jesus' response. He said, the Lord Yahweh, our God, is one. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart and with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is in you and with all your strength. That is the great and the supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor. This is where loving others comes in. 
You must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, if you don't understand who God made you to be, that you are the crown of his creation, in the world that you walk in, in the world in which you move, you are the crown of God's creation. And when you understand that, when you see yourself the way God sees you, then you can look at others and see them the way that God sees you, or sees them as well. So understand that God loves you, that you're the crown of his creation. And in closing, so I hope this makes sense. Um, God had actually taken me in a different direction than I intended to go with this. So, uh, but I believe it's, I know when I was going through it, it really, yeah, it just jumped out at me. So hopefully it's been a blessing to you as well. So remember, remember this, you are not self-made, but God made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created to love, not judge, not hate, not be offended. You were created to love and love God, love yourself, and love others. When you encounter trials, tribulations, troubles, keep your hope. And who do you hope in? You hope in God. You don't just hope the thing goes away, because it will eventually. But you keep your hope in God and what He's said to you, what He's promised to you. And if you keep your hope in God to the end, you will experience life and you will experience deliverance. And remember this, let Him carry all of your burdens and all of your worries, regardless or irregardless of what they are, because He cares for you. He loves you. He's invested Himself in all that He is in you. He created you in a class that no other part of His creation occupies. We are unique in this universe according to the Word of God, and I choose to believe the Word of God. So we are not in a state of overpopulation. We are not in a state of having to save the planet. You know, God is not surprised with where we're at. God knows. But if we will do what God has called us to do, God will see us through. And in the end, we will be the stewards, the trustees of His creation. Loving first the people that he has created and also the creation that he has given us to enjoy. And remember this. I'll read this again. The human family is to join God in the ongoing work of creation. The earth below and the sky above with all of their inhabitants are too beautiful and too good to be left alone. 
They need the tender care and close attention that only God's favored creature, man and woman, can give. So we give it to each other, we give it to God, but we're also good stewards of what God has given us. And if we do that, then we will, I believe, honor God. And God would not ask more of us than that. But you are precious, you are valuable. And I guess I keep coming back to that because that's what I saw when I took this different direction, is that God put so much, he invested so much in us. So let us not belittle that or think less than we should of it. Because we, people, humanity, male, female, man, woman, God created us so that we could fellowship with him and that we could occupy this planet in a way that causes his creation to truly be what he always intended it to be. And thank God for Jesus who has redeemed us and brought us to a new place. So, love you. You are the apple of God's eye. When God said that to David, he says that for every one of you. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you. He goes before you. He follows behind you. And he surrounds you with his love. And he will take you to the good places he's promised as we follow after him. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.